0: Django is, without a doubt, one of the most used web frameworks for Python. Lacey Williams Henschel is a Django consultant and has joined me to talk about Django, the Django community, and so much more. Thank you, Reagan, for sponsoring this episode. Top-notch error crash and performance monitoring that's easy to use. More about them later. Welcome to Test & Code, a podcast about software development, software testing, and Python. I am excited today on Test & Code to have Lacey Williams-Henschel. So welcome to the show.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: We met at PyCon a long time ago, and I know that you do Django. That's about all I know about you. Yeah. So tell me who you are.
1: So I've been doing Django now for what, I guess like five or seven years. It's, it's kind of hard to keep track. I've been doing Django full-time for about two or three years. And right now I work for a consultancy called RevSys. Uh, RevSys is based out of Kansas, but I'm located in Oregon, in Portland, Oregon. And then, yeah, I've been pretty involved in the, the DjangoCon US conference for the past several years. I've organized some Django girls workshops in the past. So I tend to be relatively well involved in the Django community as a
0: whole. Cool. Having two daughters, I'm excited about the whole Django girls angle. I was going to ask you mostly about Django, but what is Django Girls?
1: Yeah, so Django Girls is an organization that helps people put on workshops in their own communities to teach primarily women how to write a website in Django, basically. The workshops last about a day and a half, so they kind of learn how to do everything. They learn some basic HTML, some basic Python, and then enough Django to sort of get a website up and running, and they even deploy a website. I think that these days they deploy on Python anywhere, but I'm not sure. It's been a while since I coached at a workshop or I organized one. Um, but I know that Portland had one just about a week and a half ago, I think as part of PyCascades, which was here just last weekend. And then they also have their tutorial all online for free. And I think that it's a really excellent tutorial for someone who is brand new to Django and also brand new to coding because it just goes right into the basics of it doesn't it doesn't assume any prior knowledge. at all with some other tutorials that I I can think of too. Like you just never know where someone's coming from. And so if you're someone who's coming from really not having any technical experience, then the Django Girls tutorial is really nice because it starts you from that very, very basic level and then builds up from there.
0: Okay. How involved are you with the DjangoCon?
1: I've been pretty involved for the past five years or so. I've been the chair before or the co-chair before. I've also been the diversity and inclusion and financial aid shares. Last year I didn't have a formal role in the in organizing the conference, but I was still kind of available behind the scenes to answer questions and contribute to the website, contribute changes to some of the communications that we send out. It's a really great team though. I really enjoy being part of it. I'm really proud of of where the conference has kind of gone over the last several years
0: do you know where it's at this year
1: in San Diego I think that that was recently announced and we're working on you know putting the website for 2020 together as we speak
0: okay cool so
1: this will be our third year in San Diego and I think in 2021 they'll move it to somewhere else
0: you brought up PyCascades cascades and I'm mostly familiar with so PyCascades cascades this last weekend that was the first time I'd been to that event and it's two days single track pycon is larger, much larger, multi-track. And I guess it's still like two or three days, but multi-track makes it a lot bigger. What's Jankocon like? Is it a single track thing or is it multi-tracks?
1: Jankocon is two track. So it's three days. And most of the time, all three days are single track. Last year, they experimented with having the third day be single track instead of double track. And so that third day was supposed to be, are you familiar with the Django under the hood conference? No. It hasn't happened in a few years. I don't think it's happening anymore, but it ran for a few years in Europe. And the idea behind it was a conference for really deep dives into Django content. So especially deep dives into the Django code base. I never got to attend but it was really well received and it was something that people felt like was maybe missing from some of the the Django cons Django Con US Django Con Europe Django Con Australia were these really slightly longer talks that kind of went into a greater detail about some of the the Django code. And so that was supposed to be the idea behind the third day last year was this was a day of just it was the deep dive day. It was a, a day of of longer talks that were more about Django internals or more complex topics in Django. I didn't get to attend DjangoCon last year. So I didn't get to see it in person. But from what I understand, it was really well received. I'm not sure if they'll be repeating it again this year, but I think it would be exciting if they did.
0: It's kind of a neat idea to reserve some of the longer talks for some deep dive detail stuff.
1: Yeah. And it's just a different kind of talk too. like it's a it's a fun kind of talk to recruit for. I personally, I, I would find giving that kind of talk to be sort of intimidating, right, to take up this longer slot and to be to really go deep into a particular topic. I kind of like to do like introductory styles of, of talks. I find that really comfortable, but I think that seeing talks like that would be really fun too. And I think that even beginners can get a lot from a talk like that. Like even if you're not quite to the point in your Django experience where you're really fully understanding what you're hearing, still being exposed to those ideas, I think can go a long way toward deepening your understanding as time goes on.
0: This episode of Test and Code is sponsored by Raygun. Save time with Raygun crash reporting. Detect, diagnose, and destroy errors that are affecting your customers with smart Python error monitoring software from Raygun. You can be alerted to issues affecting your users the second they happen. Have complete visibility of your app or website so you discover and fix errors and perform issues before your customers experience them. Raygun takes you to the exact line of code where the error has occurred and tells you how many times it's happened, and exactly who has been affected by it. All errors are reported to your Raygun dashboard automatically, along with full diagnostic details on how to solve them. Raygun has also fine-tuned the filtering notification control, so you can focus on fixing important issues and problems affecting most users and not be bombarded with redundant notifications. It takes just minutes to set up. Try it yourself by going to raygun.com. That's R-A-Y-G-U-N dot com. Thanks, Reagan, for sponsoring this episode. One of the questions I had is, why do we need DjangoCon if we already have PyCon?
1: PyCon is the more general conference, right? Like PyCon is going to have a lot of talks that are about Python, but not necessarily Django, or that are about You know, web frameworks other than Django, like Flask, or things like that. And it's not that those talks don't have a place at DjangoCon. We have talks that are not specifically about Django at DjangoCon as well, but it is a more specific kind of community, right? Like, so you get four or 500 people together who are all interested in Django, and then you wind up having all these hallway conversations about django or drfs or workshops or or problems that you're having that are specific to django and you have all these people that can help you with those problems or talk to you about these topics pycon is thousands of people right it's like two to three thousand people these days so just in terms of the hallway track alone finding specifically the django people if you have django questions is a little bit more of a challenge and then PyCon too, they they usually have a few Django talks, which is great, but it's really great to have a conference where the bulk of the talks are going to have some content that like I as a web developer who works in Django every day, I can, you know, have those takeaways that I go right back to my desk and I can implement this thing that I learned, you know, yeah. but also I'm just really pro there being more regional conferences and more subtopical conferences, you know, it's like there's PyData, which I think is like Python. From a data science perspective, there's another Python conference that's like subtopical, kind of like that, but I can't think of it right now. But I, I feel like there's another one. But then there's all these regional conferences too. Like not everyone can go to PyCon. PyCon sells out. Yeah. I think it's really nice to just have more conferences anyway to sort of spread around the opportunity for people to have the chance to go to a conference at all.
0: One of the things I've noticed, I've gone through a couple, I actually have not actually finished the tutorials. I've started several Django tutorials in the past and I've used Django as used Django applications that other people have done, but it's it's very popular. I mean there's a handful of like widely used frameworks, but I think Django is is a definitely a bigger community and it's very popular. And I don't see like a flask community. Maybe there is one that I'm just not seeing, but um, is the popularity of Django, is that why there's a community or is there a community because it's popular or do they feed on each other or what's the relationship there? Do you know?
1: I think that, that they probably feed on each other, right? Like whenever any framework is first started, it doesn't have a community yet. The community comes after the framework does just in terms of the chicken and egg conversation. But Django was also started by a community of individuals. So in that sense, kind of the community came first. And I I think that those things have just kind of continued to feed on each other over time. I think that the initial people who started Django really prioritized documentation. They wanted to make it easier for people to be able to adopt the framework. And I think that that focus on documentation and focus on community has led to greater adoption, which has fed back into the community. So I, I think it's just this really wonderful cycle that, that keeps going forward where the, the framework itself gets richer and fuller featured and more mature, and the community expands and becomes warmer and more friendlier and more helpful as time goes on too.
0: Community building is definitely intentional, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. There's a more than one nonprofit that works with Django, right? So there's the Django Software Foundation which is behind Django the framework, but there's also the Django Events Foundation North America which is all about helping Django events in on our continent to, you know, do the things that they want to do. So that's like little Django meetups or conferences or Django Girls workshops. So, yeah, I think that there's a a real focus on community in Django that feeds back into the framework.
0: Do you have any idea of, um, I don't even know if there's numbers, but it feels like uh, the Django community, I mean, Python is a fairly inclusive community, but it, it almost seems like Django is like inclusivity on steroids, Does it feel more like more open, more welcome and more open to people from different backgrounds than Python as a whole? Or is it about the same, do you think?
1: I don't want to answer in a way that's going to like create competition between the Django communities and the Python communities, right? Because I think the Python community as a whole is also very inclusive because I'm primarily more a member of the Django community. I am particularly proud of the inclusivity of the Django community and I'm particularly involved in that effort. So I have a different perspective on the two communities, just because of how I participate in them differently. I think that part of the reason why the Django community is so inclusive is because it's a, you know, a subset of the Python community, which is also very inclusive. And I know that the Django community has learned things from the Python community in terms of inclusivity and vice versa. So I think that the two communities definitely feed each other in really positive ways as
0: well. Okay. I do want to ask you about a whole bunch of other stuff. But I was curious while we're on while we're talking about Django a little bit is um do you know where the little, the little uh is it the unicorn or I don't know what the name of that thing is
1: oh the Django pony is that a pony it is called the Django pony but I think that it's a it's technically a pegasus I do believe
0: okay Has that always been part of it or?
1: I think it's been part of it for a very long time. And I think that I have heard the origin story of it before. And I just can't remember the details of it right now. But I do think that the Django pony has been around for quite some time. And I think that it it's partly to the consternation of one of the original developers of Django. I think that there's someone who who was not a fan of it. And then it sort of became a joke because it was funny that this person didn't like it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, but I, uh, I feel like the details are coming back to me really slowly. I think I've heard that it's something about when the framework was first started, I'm going to get details wrong. Someone's going to write in and say that she got this totally wrong. But the fuzzy details as I remember them have something to do with whenever the framework was first started, you know, going and, and discussing features for it and, you know, some like asking for a pony, basically. And so then there was a, a Django pony to like represent the the bigger things on sort of the wish list of features over time. That makes sense. I hope I'm not just making that up. It's entirely ah. possible that I am. I am definitely not the like keeper of the lore of the Django pony. <laughs> okay. I think I might have some of the details Correct enough.
0: <laughs> when I was bouncing ideas of what we could talk about, you brought up testing. It's something that's near and dear to my heart. But what is uh, testing? How does that fit into your life? Where
1: testing fits into my life, I've talked about this before, but for me, testing is a very comforting thing to do. I tend to be a pretty anxious developer. And once I learned how to write unit tests, I became much more confident in the code that I was writing and the code that I was shipping because whatever changes that I made, I knew if my If my tests passed, then well, at least I wasn't breaking anything that I was already testing for. That doesn't necessarily mean that the thing that I added didn't break something, right? Because you might find out that your tests are incomplete, that there's a a case you haven't tested for. But it at least gives you a certain level of confidence that, you know, things haven't gone totally haywire. And so learning how to test was really great way for me to increase my own confidence as a developer and to kind of like combat the imposter syndrome that really plagued me for my first several years of in this career.
0: Is that testing in within the aspect of a django application or
1: yeah i write a lot of unit tests of, of course and testing i feel like too kind of taught me a lot about django like you know going into like the debugger helps me poke around and kind of learn what was happening at different stages in my code like i i feel like i learned so much about how django rest framework works by learning how to write tests for it you know understanding how a response comes back from a view set you know understanding how to, to to dig into those things. It can be really confusing at first, whenever you're using a new library like Django REST framework or something. And so writing tests is a way to not just test your code, but test your understanding of how your code works, you know, test your expectations about what your code is doing. And that can be a a thing for, for testing the accuracy of your code, but it can also just be a, a learning tool that you use for trying to, understand the library that you're using in a deeper way
0: i love that you brought that up i, I use that a lot and i forget to tell people about it. Is of just um when interacting with a new service or a new a new library or something i frequently bring up right little tests just to test my understanding or you know, validating my understanding of a data structure even
1: exactly, yeah.
0: Because it's like a little runnable. I use PyCharm, and you can just run my Pytest tests right. It's just like a little runnable right there. I can write some code and see what it does. Whereas if I didn't use a test, I'd have to just write a file, I guess, or run it in the REPL. But I don't really like to do that that too much. So
1: yeah, I'll find- myself, especially at the beginning of a project or like the beginning of some sort of task that's going to use a library that I've never used before, I'll find myself writing a little test that I, I might just wind up throwing away that is just a bunch of assert statements to affirm my understanding. And almost always, you know, one fails and and then I get to be like, oh, this is this is different than I thought. This is this will be fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's a really quick way to learn. I exactly. think now Django, correct me if I'm wrong, is um the built-in test runner and stuff is built on unit test. Is that right? I believe so. Do you use that or are you a PyTest person or something else?
1: I've become a PyTest person, which is relatively recent for me. But yeah, in the last like six months to a year, I've kind of adopted the PyTest style test. I really like using fixtures. I really can't call myself an expert or anything. But also PyTest has a lot of really helpful plugins. Just in general, the plugin ecosystem for PyTest is really rich, but there's specifically a PyTest Django plugin, which is nice too.
0: So using that plugin, if I were going to start a a Django application. Is that a difficult transition to add on the, the PyTest support?
1: I don't think so, but it's almost hard for me to say because I've only ever used PyTest in that context. Okay. So like, it's difficult for me to separate what is pure PyTest and what is PyTest Django because I, I sort of learned it as a unit. You know what I mean? But I have found it to be really straightforward. I think that the biggest thing that PyTest Django brings is the ability to add a fixture for the, the Django database. So like you're... Models, you know, just like with the regular Django test runner, your models will get, you know, created and then torn down without you having to do anything, which is nice.
0: Yeah. So, like for instance, you brought up the Django REST framework. Do you do things like, I don't know, have like dummy data in there, or how are you testing a a REST something?
1: With fixtures, most of the time. Like, I'll I'll have a fixture for a particular object, and then I'll retrieve that object, and I will write a test to update that object, and I'll write a test if I have permissions, I'll write a test to try to update update that object and, you know, affirm, assert that I don't have permission if I'm not supposed to, or that I do if I if I do.
0: Are you writing like final Django applications as a job or?
1: Yeah, almost all of what I do these days is specifically Django REST framework. Now, Refsys does a little bit more than that. Like I have a, a colleague right now who's working on a Flask application. I have colleagues that are more comfortable on the front end, which is, you know, really nice for us. We can, we can offer more services to our, our potential clients, but I tend to specialize specifically in Jenga rest framework and also wagtail.
0: The tests that you write, is that the, for, is that going to be the final test or do you have a, do you have a team that ends up doing the final QA for it or something?
1: Most of the time, the tests that I write are the final tests. So I try to make my tests pretty comprehensive because once i've handed off this project to you know the client and i'm not working on it any, anymore i don't know if they're right any more tests you know like they sometimes they don't even have an in-house developer and so they're just going to go with what we give them until they have a need to change it at which point they'll hopefully hire us again right okay. sometimes they might have an in-house developer but i don't know what that person's testing philosophy is so i try to my, make my test pretty comprehensive so that i know okay. that i'm shipping something that's reasonably well tested and then i know too if i'm if i'm getting it back in a year <laughs> then if the tests haven't been updated running the test will be a little clue to me as to like what has changed because a lot of times whenever if they update things themselves they might not update the test they might ignore the test if they fail and so that can be a clue for maybe what needs to be updated in the code.
0: So what is Wagtail?
1: Wagtail is a CMS that is built on top of Django.
0: Does working with uh, working with Wagtail feel different than working with Django?
1: Yeah, it's still working with Django, but Wagtail took me some time to really wrap my head around because it's it behaves in ways that for me felt different than just traditional Django. And part of it is because Because it's a CMS, it enforces specific types of model relationships. And so you're not just creating your own models and associating them with one another on the fly the way that you're used to. to, In order to relate your models to one another in Wagtail, you need to use some of Wagtail's specific fields to do that. So that things like for a blog, for example, so that things get displayed in the right way. It's really powerful and I've grown to really enjoy using it but it was conceptually kind of a tough hill to climb initially.
0: And is there are there ways to test it also? Yeah,
1: but I've had a hard time Testing it as well as I have wanted to like my instinct is to maybe over test. I could probably stand to, you know, back up a little bit. Sometimes I found wagtail to be kind of difficult to test the last time that I was working on it. And it's been about a year since I did anything with wagtail. So things may have changed. But there is a wagtail slack. And I have found that to be really helpful. There are some really wonderful developers in the Slack. And so I had asked them some questions about how to test different things. And they were more than willing to try to help me debug what was going on with my tests.
0: Now, I'm uh, going to ask a like a completely wild tangent question. I didn't need to warn you about that. But uh, if I've got a database of stuff that I built up with other stuff, like uh, I've just filled it up with basically some other way I'm filling up a database of information, Can I somehow attach a Django application to that or do I need to, when I'm doing a Django application, do I need to build the data up within Django?
1: If I understand your question correctly, then I think that you would still want to write some Django models that like mimic the way that your data, like how how your data is, how your data looks and how it relates to one another. And then you would probably want to write like a one-time tool, a one-time script that would sort of import this data into Django in the right formats so that it would then be saved in the Django way. So you you get to make fuller use of Django's validation and things like that. Okay. But I'm trying to I've never had to do that. I've had to do some other kind of interesting like I've had to migrate like a blog from you know traditional Django to Wagtail, but that was still within Django, right? Yeah. It was a little bit different. But I do know that like we've done some some kind of data imports like that. And and the the way that we've handled it at RevSys has been to create the Django models and then run an import script to import the data in the formats that we needed and to kind of handle it that way. And that that has worked okay, but whenever you're dealing with something like that too, there's always this chance that the existing data isn't as clean and well formatted as you would ideally like it to be. And so then you have some business decisions on how to handle that. You know, like if you want... This field to, for example, like to you know to do one example like to only be numeric in the future, but it turns out that you have some old data where it's maybe not perfectly numeric. You you have to kind of decide what you want to do with that.
0: The Django tra- databases are traditionally the SQL style database, right? Yeah. Getting up to speed, you mentioned the the uh, Django Girls tutorial or Django. I think you, is that right? Django girls tutorial? Yeah. Is that a decent place for really anybody to start? Like if I already know how to program... Is that a decent place to start or do you have other recommendations?
1: I think that's a great place to start. It's still one of my favorite introductory Django tutorials. There's probably stuff that you could skip. Like there's a introductions to HTML, CSS, and Python in that tutorial. If you're already comfortable in those, then you could just skip those and go straight to the Django portions and get a good sense of what you needed to from starting from there. I also think that the Django tutorial that's in the Django documentation is pretty good too. I feel like that's a pretty good place to start but i would like to kind of expand my roster of of tutorials and like i don't feel like i have a good go-to tutorial for django rest framework yet although i know that like its documentation has one i just haven't really looked at it in a while but i would like to have like the go-to tutorial for other libraries that i use frequently like drf and like wagtail the way that i whenever someone asks for a Django tutorial, I send them straight to Django girls. You know?
0: No, it's interesting. I didn't know that it had like HTML and CSS and Python and stuff too. Because my- That's one
1: of the reasons that I love it is because it's really kind of self customizable. Like if you are already familiar with those concepts, then you can just ignore the things that you already know. But if you're not, then you get the buildup that you need in order to be able to work in Django, right? Because like to use a Django template, you do need to have some understanding of HTML, to write a Django model, you do need to have some understanding of Python. And so it teaches you just enough of those concepts to be able to get you started in Django. But if you already know those concepts, you can just skip right to the Django parts.
0: My daughter's been asking me to to learn more programming, learn some programming, and that might be something we could do together then. It'd be kind of fun. I think so, yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. I want to make sure that you had the opportunity to talk about everything that you wanted to. Did we miss something that you wanted to discuss
1: uh, no I think I'm good. Thank you so much.
0: You said you were still in the Portland area. Did you go to Pike Cascades?
1: I didn't. No, I had a baby last October, and so and I, I just went back to work about a month ago. So I've been um kind of reserving my weekends for time with her. So I skipped it this year. But I hope to be able to go to Pike Cascades next year. I know it won't be in Portland next year. It'll be somewhere else. But but
0: still. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Is it your first?
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: How exciting!
1: It is exciting. It's been really fun. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Just thinking about having a small child hurts my knees. But
1: um... there is that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. This has been fun. And um, yeah,
1: thanks. Awesome. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Lacey. I think I'm more excited than ever to go learn about Django. Thank you to Patreon supporters for continuing to support the show. Join them by going to testandcode.com slash support. Thank you to Raygun for sponsoring this episode. Check them out at raygun.com. That's R-A-Y-G-U-N dot com. That link is also in the show notes at testingcodecom slash 103. That's all for now. Now go out and test something.